Good afternoon, folks. It's day two here at the Wearable Technology and Augmented Reality Show. And I've been here chatting to some of the incredibly interesting people congregating here to discuss all things wearable, augmented, and virtual reality. Uh, with me now is a person who is most certainly responsible for pushing the envelope of augmented reality in a big way. Um, one that is already uh, shaping both the way we buy products and how we know about and engage with the brands and services in our lives. She's a contemporary business leader, a marketing professional and the co-founder of a 200-person strong company called Blippa, which describes itself as the world's leading mobile visual browser. Blipper is a company doing some amazing things to commercialize and trailblaze augmented reality via Blipper codes that allow companies to create interactive augmented reality content which loads directly onto your smartphone when you scan it. Named as one of the BBC's 100 women in 2014 and Fortune magazine's top 10 most powerful women entrepreneurs in 2012, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Jess Butcher today. Jess, welcome. How are you? How are you enjoying the show? And what have you been up to? Very well, I'm well. It's a great show. I am slightly in awe of all the nerds and incredible brains that are here. I'm the marketer, remember? I'm not one of the uh, product technical uh, gurus at Blipper. So there's some incredible people here talking about incredible far-reaching technologies which we could only dream about but seemingly are, are, are very close and on the way. So uh, it's a real eye-opener. I'm very much enjoying it. Could I start by asking the obvious question? Could you basically give us a little bit of background about yourself? Uh, tell us about Blipper. Uh, tell us what you're up to at the moment. Sure. Uh, so I'm one of the co-founders of Blipper. We started the business four years ago as ex-colleagues and friends that came together around the technology, which obviously was uh, embryonic at the time. Um, and could be, I think, summarized as a combination of image recognition, markerless image recognition, and uh, augmented reality. Um, so. We were, I think, four quite entrepreneurial mindsets. Myself, I was always waiting for the right opportunity. And uh, as my co-founder says, when somebody offers you a seat on a rocket, you take it. Uh, I knew when I saw this tech that, you know, this was, uh, we had a rare opportunity to go first to market with a really, really exciting proposition that could fundamentally change the way that we engage and interact with the physical world around us. We brainstormed business models around that. Uh, you can imagine as a startup, it was very appealing for us to build apps for people. A lot of people were waving a lot of money at us to do that uh, and to become a development company. But instead, from day one, really, we had a very strong sense that we should and could detect this very, very bleeding edge technology and turn it into a behavior. And our whole business model, even in those early days, was wrapped up in a single new verb to blip. Um, so, if you will, we, we aspire to be what tweeting is to microblogging, what Googling is to internet search. And to blip has always been the process of looking at something in the physical world and instantly unlocking it with a valuable, entertaining or, or helpful content experience of some kind. And uh, what we have done over the last three years is demonstrated that that vision really has legs and more importantly has commercial viability for the owners of the physical world that we can create behaviors that change how people perceive brands and media. And increasingly where we are as a business is now extending that outside of just marketing uh, and into education, arts and culture, government, engineering, and all these very, very exciting uh, sectors where the verb will live not as a, you're going to get sold to every time you blip, but you're unlocking something valuable from the world around you. And, uh, and that's 
rewarding you and enhancing your view of the physical world. So we've uh, we built, uh, as you said, a very successful business. We're now in um, 10 offices uh, in seven countries around the world. We had a huge year last year where we uh, acquired one of the pioneers of the augmented reality industry, a company called Leia, based in the Netherlands. We're having a very exciting uh, current week, actually. We announced a very big funding round just on Friday, which will really take us into new areas of, uh, of technology and development. And there's more to come on that over the coming weekend. So I've really got my work cut out at the moment in terms of communications and remembering what I am and I'm not allowed to say. Uh, but um, <laughs> as you can imagine, the, the, this area is changing so much and uh, we're hugely excited to be at the forefront of that, not only with the technology, but the relationships that we built with many of the leading marketers now globally and the leading media owners globally. So hugely exciting time. And I think increasingly we're starting to realize that vision of, of becoming a mass market verb. It's very interesting what you're saying about blipping as a verb and also the notion of taking objects that exist in the physical world and augmenting them. Because obviously that has implications far beyond uh, simply selling products and beyond advertising. It's basically making the visual world knowable. It's compelling in the context of print. I'm wondering, I mean, on, on just that level alone, how do you see print media evolving in this? Because in some senses, print has obviously been quite disconnected from the digital world. This is definitely a way to reconnect it, to make print, you know, you pick up a newspaper or you pick up a magazine and suddenly that magazine and the, and the QR codes in it and everything else become much more physically connected to the world that we're all inhabiting every day. Absolutely. We do a huge amount of work with uh, magazine and newspaper publishers and increasing amount of work with um, book publishers as well. Uh, I think what has changed is most of these publishing companies no longer consider themselves as print companies. They think of themselves as media businesses where there's obviously a multi-platform approach taken to content and, and uh, its consumption. What we do is really drive the bridge between the physical and the digital. So rather than just sticking web links and floating videos on a print page that links to the digital property, instead we're creating a dialogue between the reader that is invigorating that print proposition. So you can vote on whether you agree or disagree with the columnist that's taking the contentious stance, or you can reveal the crossword answers. The crossword purists don't like that, but uh, personally, I'd rather do that within 30 seconds. You can, of course, play last night's goal, but you can also bring that news story right up to minute with where that terror suspect has, uh, whether he's been caught yet or not, or you know what what happened in that dreadful tragedy that, that that may have hit the news in the last 24 hours. So, it's a very very exciting way of connecting, but also getting the reader to contribute to the physical product and. I think that's fundamentally changing how we perceive print and it's not a fad or an early stage of adoption. We've got media partners for whom 60-70% of their circulation are taking their phones out and actually reading the titles with their phone in hand and unlocking it. So that has driven more sales of those titles. So it's actually being used as a way to really change the print proposition rather than just a sort of last gasp attempt to save it, which I think it was uh, it's sometimes perceived as. How do you see your role in terms of nurturing brands' entry into this market? Because obviously 
brands are used to advertising their products. They're used to putting them out. They're used to finding ways with traditional media, what we call traditional media, of selling those experiences and creating experiences for consumers that make them interested in those products. Do you think that there are fundamental differences with augmented content in the way that it, that it seeks to engage, say, from online? Is it different to an online presence? Absolutely. And it, that has changed hugely in the, the four years that we've been in business. When we first started out, we'd get the brief sort of six to eight weeks prior to a campaign going live by a media buyer or junior marketer. And they'd be looking to simply mesh together the existing content formats that they had. The typical brief would be, can I play my TV ad on my press ad? Now, yes, technically the, the tech can enable that. Practically, please don't do that you know, it doesn't recognize the uniqueness of this as an interactive format and it doesn't reward the consumer in any way to just mesh together what we've seen is that innovation box ticking at late notice has now shifted to a much more strategic approach that swum upstream through the media and creative agencies to the brands directly that now they're looking at this as a dedicated medium that it is and planning for it six to nine months out, assigning it a significant budget for good bespoke creative services, and then thinking about how it sits within the press, media, TV, outdoor, social and digital context, driving one to the other and, and bringing them all together. So it's been a really gratifying journey to see the marketers embrace it in that way. Of course, it means budgets are bigger, but most importantly, it means that the conversion's now happening. So we're having campaigns now that exceed millions of interactions with hundreds of thousands of unique users. And the combined dwell time on that is years for some of these campaigns. You know, this is staggering because you have the consumer's undivided attention and they proactively requested this experience in a way that is unlike any other medium that they may or may not have blinked at or gone and turned the kettle on for. So, we're in a lovely position where as a platform, we can see all that data and we can provide those insights on best practice by industry vertical, by media type, direct to the client to ensure that they are, they're hitting the ground, not just running, but sprinting when they do these projects with us rather than trial and error, trial and error, you know, lots of custom approaches which, which don't benefit from that, that back catalog of insight and uh, conversion data. Perusing your website, it looks initially, you call yourself an augmented reality advertising agency effectively, but that doesn't seem to be the vision that you have. The vision that you have seems to be to take anything that's connected to the physical world and augment it in the simplest way possible so that people understand that it can be accessed and uh, that then they can then access. You mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, uh, education. Is that something you're actively exploring at the moment? First, I say I'm slightly horrified. That's the impression that you've got from our website. We really need to update that website, and that is a high-priority project internally <laughs> because you're absolutely right. Um, that's not our vision. We don't aspire to be an ad tech. We don't aspire to be a creative agency for AR custom solutions for brands. I should clarify, we do that very well, but no business exists as an ad tech alone. You know, a bus stop is a bus stop before you can sell a poster on it, and... A magazine is a magazine that has content before it can sell space. And I feel that Blipper, we have achieved huge success actually as an ad tech. We've always had that media model that has been amplifying what we do uh, by putting the behavior into the editorial as well as the adverts. But now we're entering a really exciting time where we move this business on from ad tech perceptions of augmented reality into a true vision of visual browsing. 
looking at the physical world around you and unlocking it. And when you do that, you're not simply being sold to, you're unlocking the Mona Lisa to hear when it was painted, more about the subject, you know, being able to see other pictures by the artist, to buy merchandise or find out how you can actually visit that that art in, in person with educational textbooks where you could blip a page and reveal um, layers of anatomy which you have to interact with in order to find out more about. So a much more immersive educational experience for children. Um, and many, many other applications from things for government and tourists to architecture. And I love things, I'm a historian actually as, as a graduate and I love the idea of just being able to look at ruins and recreate them as they were back in the day. So it becomes a much more rewarding cross-vertical behaviour in that sense that yes, an advert comes along and you're familiar with how to do it and you're given a good reason to do it because you get something valuable or free or fun to play with, but that's a byproduct of the behaviour rather than a driving force of the behaviour. I think that's very important. I understand that brands want to create experiences. Um, I'm interested in those experiences, but I'm far more interested in my personal interests, like everybody is, and in the things which you know we care deeply about as individuals, like you said, history. Uh, that that engages you possibly more than than a fantastically well-produced Heinz interactive, as good as that might be, uh, because it speaks to something that you deeply care about. So. My question really underneath all that is, where do you see Blipper going? I mean, what is it you, you've said, you know, that you want it to be the kind of underlying tech that allows people to access this. How, is, how does that work? Is this something where you're going to work with large numbers of companies to, to give them the, the, the baseline tech? Or is it something where you're going to act as a kind of content creation agency as well? Is it a mixture of the two? The first thing I'd say um, in, in response to that point you made is that those, the brands and that sort of content can potentially come together. I mean, to take a current real-world example, you've got the BP Portrait Award. It's a sponsored, um, beautiful annual art experience that happens in London. And the critical point to this behavior be- taking off and being done well is that we need content. You know, you can't turn, what do you turn the world on with unless somebody has invested in the digital content of all those anatomical layers or, you know, the historical uh, 3D model that's brought to life off the ruins. And I see a a key role for brands actually to pay a large uh, part in, in building that content with us. The second part of your question is to our business model, where that, where that is going. You're absolutely right. We cannot scale and turn the world on overnight without a shift in our business model and we cannot do that as an agency. We will always have that agency because people appreciate our consultancy, our knowledge and and most importantly our data and only we can really advise those key global brands and properties on best practice so that they're not making mistakes, recreating the wheel or, or, or investing in the wrong formats of content. But we're only doing that with a view towards putting good practice into the market to enable the self-creation and self-publishing of of really exciting experiences that can emulate some of that best practice and do it immediately. So we have a very exciting tool called Blip Builder, which empowers whether it's content agencies or creative agencies, uh, publishers themselves, to simply associate the X and the Y and to do it in a very simple, quick manner within minutes, in actual fact, or seconds 
that we'll see each agency or user of that tool being able to self-publish as much content as we as a, as a direct company uh, can do. That's hugely exciting. There are other things that are coming which are, are quite sensitive product-wise right now, which I'd be delighted to be interviewed again on um, uh, as and when I can tell you more about that. But know that the users will be involved, I, I can reveal that much, know that that, that product technology will evolve in ways and forms of artificial intelligence that will enable the system to get smart, to learn, to be contextual, and that we will start to partner very aggressively with the right content players to put that content in the right place so that we can truly realize a visual browsing behavior rather than a bespoke curated content experience, reactive behavior. Um, and all of these things have to happen concurrently it's one of the reasons why we've just done our big funding round um, and why we're seeking great partners, great um, technical skills for our business to help us evolve all of these areas further. It's a hugely exciting time. My final question is, is also based around the idea um, of user-generated content. Do you see a role for that in, in augmented reality and in what you do? Yes, we do. Um, I think we have to be careful about it because we could have a situation where the whole physical world is hijacked by... Um, virtual graffiti and I think ultimately that whilst that might be amusing and it may have a role to play in certain environments we want this to be a very utilitarian and helpful experience that people get something that is valuable that isn't um, biased or uh, controlled that is consumer centric at its heart there may be opportunities to sort of tap off into those different experiences depending on what you want or indeed a sort of micro social networks within those layers where you can just see the graffiti should you wish so there's so many opportunities for that i think the sort of wiki creation of content in the real world is something that will evolve and it will have to be policed to a certain extent i mean think wikipedia really as a model but we certainly hope to be in a position where we're empowering the world to to create and enhance this, this behavior rather than expecting the owners of the physical world to do that on every single asset that they own. So yes is the answer. I think it just is going to require some care and curation in order to ensure that the consumer experience isn't negatively affected by that. It sounds like a fascinating journey. I mean, um, and I wish you every success with it. One of the things that excites me about augmented reality, about, about the space that's developing now, is the idea that we're creating a world of enchanted objects. We're bringing the kind of the Harry Potter sort of book to life. We're, we're creating a world where, where our children and, and future generations can basically look beyond the surface of what they see and that there's always more to explore. And that's very exciting because it speaks to a culture of knowledge and it speaks to a culture where we grow that knowledge and we continue to expand the artistic boundaries of that knowledge. Augmented content can be very, very beautiful visually. It can include uh, all of the senses. That's a very, very interesting and exciting future. So I, I wish you every success of what you're doing. You've got a very ambitious vision and I'm sure that you're going to be very successful at implementing it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much and thank you for that beautiful encapsulation of our vision. You're absolutely spot on. All of that and some more. All the best. Thank you.